hosts, James Jordan, the Eggman, and Damon Sawyer, coming at you for yet another edition of the Wide World of Motorsports podcast on CFMH 107.3 Local FM in St. John, New Brunswick, CKMS 102.7 Radio Waterloo in the region of Waterloo in Ontario, and on the Performance Motorsports Network app on your smart device. We're also streaming on all streaming platforms. Be sure to check us out as well on social media at the WWOMS and as well as our defunct website. Well, we got to get that going. I got to I got to update that website coming up here soon. www.thewideworldofmotorsportspodcast.wordpress.com And the reason why we do that and hey it's a great it's i love wordpress it's all that stuff's great there's some tools that are in there that would make some things easier on us um we're always we're always looking for a way to basically get uh you on the show if you got a brand if you got a product or or something like that uh we'd love to uh talk to you send us an email wide world of motorsports at gmail.com that way we can improve our sketchy website and also, we're we're always looking to expand our horizons on the motorsports coverage front. If you love to talk about racing, and if you are confident in your public speaking, or no, or even not, because we'll 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 set you up. Uh, we'll uh, or if you if you uh, like taking pictures, like Damon over here, and I. And, and if you want to submit some stuff, if you're out of track, you want to submit some stuff, or if you're on a race team or whatever, yeah, I would love to reach out to us too. You send us a message on social media and love to chat with you. And this is season six, episode 34. And this is weird, guys. This is the first time in a couple of seasons that we have not had Michael Wallace on the show. Wally, wherever you are, you're out there. Hey, man. Uh, big shout out. Uh, you you are here in spirit, that's for sure. But uh, we're we're gonna we're gonna. I don't know. I don't. <laughs> we should. I should have done. I should have picked a thirty four <laughs> for him, and and assumed maybe what he went went with. But that is a there's, there's some big shoes to fill. Or uh, yeah. So I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can do that. But I'll try my best here. With my pick, <laughs> so in 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 hopes that Wallace will approve this one wherever you are, man, uh, and hopefully out there too. We miss you, Wally. Yeah, keep on the good fight. We hope that rash gets better. Uh, no. <laughs> um, but this this pick will do him proud because we're going for the low hanging fruit again. As you, as per usual, for my, for my spotlight, for my driver's spotlight, Michael McDowell, which though I will, I will say in fairness, and we'll probably end up getting to talking to him a little bit later in the show, as we got lots on the, uh, as we got lots on the itinerary today, but we gotta, we gotta not uh, go for the, the guy that's doing pretty good in the 34 as of the last couple of seasons, getting some good top fives and top tens. Uh, there's a couple of not so good finishes here and there, but Hey, you know what happens? He's figured out how to get into the playoffs, not me. So, uh, and not some of those other drivers out there that, uh, 
have some bad finishes. At least he's figured it out somehow. So uh, just off of that and off of his racing experience, I also always like to go with a driver who has been able to dip his toes in all sorts of different oceans of racing lakes and rivers as well. <laughs> Trying to go with my, uh, my, my euphemisms here, but Michael McDowell, who of course we all know he's been competing uh, full time in the cup with the, the number 34 for the Ford Mustang for front row motorsports, but also in with his open wheel and sports car experience, which is, Another thing that, um, I, you know, with with us in our iRacing and, and us trying to pretend like we're sports car drivers and me recently getting into sports car racing and um, and open wheel racing. So uh, I'm also into that, uh, that, that front. And I, th- I think with him beginning his career in open wheel cars, including competing in Formula Renault and in Champ Car, and in sports cars like the Rolex Sports Car Series and the 24 Hours of Daytona. He moved to stock car racing in 2006. His first Cup Series season came in 2008, the latter of which we saw him attract attention for a violent qualifying crash at Texas Motor Speedway. However, after losing his ride at Michael Waltrip Racing, which is tough, well, that's a tough one, uh, much of McDowell's Cup career in the following years was smaller teams, oftentimes as a start and park driver. McDowell did not run full-time in the Cup Series until 2017 with Levine Family Racing when he ran all 36 races. McDowell also joined his current employer, Front Row, in 2018, and he has raced full-time for the team ever since. And he won the 2021 Daytona 500 with FRM, McDowell's first ever win in the Cup Series. He has also um, a win in the NASCAR Xfinity Series in 2016. And um, yeah, also with his Grand Am stuff, ARCA, just some more specific um, of the series. But I do remember when he was qualifying at the 2008 Samsung 500 at Texas Motor Speedway for the spring race. Uh, back in 08 and McDowell had an accident that was um, pretty rough. He, uh, his right front sway bar broke entering turn one and that caused the car to hit the safer barrier almost head on. And it was approximately going about 185 miles per hour for the people that do not go by the freedom units. That's 298 kilometers an hour. And according to data obtained by reported by speed channel at time, well, we'll miss we all miss and remember speed, that's for sure. Good old Bob Dillner got that info. Um, guy, oh, man, I miss speed. Uh, while I'm sidebar, I watched the last uh, the last minutes of speed. I, I did an overnight shift at my work, and I made sure to get off early and bike the home hell is fast. And I remember coming in here, I remember uh, trying to watch that last, those last minutes of the trans uh, transmission of the speed channel. And Mike Joy making that announcement, uh, sending it off at the end. That was really weird as the sun was coming up. Really weird. But I'll remember that for the rest of my life. Uh, so, like so, Speed Channel praise here because some of us wouldn't potentially be here without it. I wouldn't have been able to be open to the wide world of motorsports without it. That's for sure. I don't know about you guys. Uh, speed Channel turned into Fox. Rest Racing, in peace, but, Speed. Yes. Oh. 
or sport uh speed world or whatever the yeah speed vision speed yeah vision yeah um yeah yeah that's yeah a little, little shout out to and bob dillner too of course um but the car spun around once while back on to mcdowell here the car spun around in his wreck at texas the car spun around once while tipping onto its roof after he hit the wall then barrel rolled eight times with fire coming into the engine compartment shredding debris in all directions until coming to a stop onto its tires. And the, remember that image of the large impact on the safer barrier, um, which show, it showed us how really hard it hit. But thank God for those safer barriers and also the, the Hans device as well. And this was the car of tomorrow uh, era. So we're thinking that because hopefully the cars are advancing its safety uh that's one of the, those are some of the contributing factors why he's still racing today. That's why he walked out of it. And, uh, yeah, that, that, I remember, I remember that was sketchy back in the day. Um, and then, yeah, with, 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 he's been able to do throughout the years. I remember seeing him, I think, um, race back in the Xfinity series, uh, when I went to see the Daytona 500 too. Um, and in recent years in the 34. So I, I, you know, cannot, Especially now that he's in the playoffs, beginning the, um, uh, he won that the was it the Indy Road Race, put him in the playoffs mm-hmm. for a second. That was the second career win, but he was just I, I think he was just eliminated. So, yeah, he was one of the first yeah. four out, but you know had a ba- valiant run there at at mm-hmm. Bristol for that last race in the cutoff. So did yep. did what he could, but you know at woes and yeah, it really hurt the chances. Yeah, yeah, he's not really in top tier equipment either, which doesn't help. But he's doing pretty good with what he's got. I uh, would I say, say, and this is not this is not a knock on front. Not row trying to kiss ass. Yeah, it's yeah. Ju- it's just that Michael McDowell has been consistently outperforming that equipment the entire time he's been there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I totally agreed. Yeah, that's. Uh, I'm gonna have to go with that uh, number thirty four. That. Uh, Three four Mustang, Michael McDowell. Who? Which one of you guys want to go next? So I'll go because I can kind of segue. You'd mentioned nice. your your pick. Michael McDowell had open wheel experience. Well, as I had foreshadowed on our previous show, that I had a really good pick for our audience for the thirty four. My pick is someone who has driven in a variety of cars as well. In I believe sports cars, stock cars mostly open wheel for the first half of his career. And he's a fellow Canuck for, you know, normally one half of the team here at the WAMS. But I am talking about, of course, Alex Tagliani. Back oh. in 2008. Really? Did with open wheel. Yeah. Yeah. Open wheel reunification. 2008. He drove six races in the 34. I thought it was more, but it turned out to be just six races for Conquest Racing during the 2008 season for IndyCar. It didn't really go great. It was the conquest was one of the teams that was coming from champ car to IndyCar. So they did get some of the Dolora chassis, but they were not as the, the champ teams really struggled when they came over to the IndyCar, of course, because the IndyCar teams had been running the same chassis for so many years and the champ 
cars had a nice panos chassis but they ended up just having the one race in 2008 in long beach but then they were just using i would say probably secondhand delara chassis at teams in one they sold them to them for whatever but it was cool for alex so in 2008 he also ran in the nascar bush grand national series and in the nascar canadian tire series now the pinty series so he did three different series officially in 2008 but yeah and it's actually a fun time to talk about conquest racing just real quick they are actually going to be returning to imsa competition full-time next year with a ferrari in the gtd so conquest after their indycar they went below the radar they did some lmp2 stuff i believe and then they were doing gt stuff kind of at a lower like srr sro level for a while Mm -hmm. and yeah they're they're picking back up and getting back into some of the higher tiers of american motorsports so but yeah you know i always kind of keep it kind of brief with my driver spotlight but yeah i thought this would be a good one for our audience alex tagliani number 34 conquest racing from 2008 six races I'll add on there what's what I think is really cool about that uh, one-off season for the 2000 champ uh, champ car season is, and also just as for for champ cars, it was more of an international. You'd see them go to other countries. Yeah, they went to Zandvoort and they'd run Ooh. in South America and Mexico and you know of course you had the Gold Coast race in Australia yeah Champ Car was definitely they they were they were kind of almost like a Formula One light in that they had big tobacco money and you had the big players you had your Kevin Kelovens and you had Roger Penske and you had the big manufacturers they were in Champ Car but really the big egos destroyed champ car and well i guess you open wheel drive that's and that you know the whole discussion of the split is a whole different subject that's been covered by people who are much more knowledgeable and and in the know with that than any of us here Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. you know i definitely was more of a casual fan back in that time but but yeah no champ car definitely they had the money to go overseas and then kind of as that with tobacco sponsorships kind of winding down, even alcohol sponsorships to a degree winding down. They definitely kind of struggled a bit and teams started going into the, the IndyCar series. We had a bit more of a cost cap kind of built in with their spec cars and whatnot. And yeah, yeah it, you know, the, right. the last champ car, that Panos DP01 or whatever it was, was actually a really cool car. It, it was, you know, it was, it was cool. I really enjoyed it, and it's a shame that they didn't get more out of that car. But you know, for the, it was better that Champ Car went into IndyCar than I think the other way around because I feel like IndyCar's upper management, even you know, people can say what they want about Tony George, Brian Barnhart, but I feel like it definitely was a bit more stable, even if it wasn't as high profile mm-hmm. as what Champ Car was. So, but yeah. I don't, I don't know where Tag finished for that uh for one race in that 2008 season for Edmonton uh Champ Car went there f- on July 20th I'm not sure where he, uh, I can probably find that out real quick in a second but he went they, there they 20th. they were at Long Beach Long Beach was the one race in 2008 they did because okay. Long Beach was to okay. Champ Car like I mean obviously Long Beach is a big event still in IndyCar but that was their big 
big race. Like, I don't want to say their Indy 500 or the Daytona 500, but <laughs> that was their crown jewel race. So they they had that con- they had that race locked in. So they had to run. Yeah, he, he finished they, that's sixth why or seventh in that one, and he he started second or something like that. Um, and also, he ran Edmonton City Center Airport in NASCAR Pitti Series in 2008, won that race, and I believe that's where they ran that. Um, yeah, I don't think he ran at that race, uh, but he still did pretty good there. So, uh, yeah, that's really cool, man. Uh, yeah, tag out there uh, would be cool. Hmm. When I uh, when I when I followed you from the media center at Toronto all the way to your hauler, it'd be cool to do an interview about this. I'd love to hear about your 2008 season racing all these different series. Tag, I'll tag tag in that because <laughs> yeah, I, I'd love. Uh, yeah. I was uh, I waited a couple hours. Tag wanted to talk to him. We tried the next week when he went out west, but got to get him on. I would love to love to hear about that season because that's. Again, going kind of going back to my pick and thinking about drivers that dip their toes in different series. That's that's really cool. Yeah. Um, so, okay, so real quick, I wanna I wanna amend that is actually 2009 that he ran that 34. He ran Conquest Racing 2008. Okay, he did the IndyCar and the Canadian Tire Series in 2008. But it was 2009 where he did the three series, including the 34 car. So that and he was, was busy uh, for those couple part. of years in the late 2000s, just to even get that. Uh, that era to hear about that would be cool. Um, all right. We, what do you got Eggman? What is your pick here? So, you know, you guys know how I love obscure picks or specifically guys you've heard of, but didn't know drove these cars. And, uh, for that, I have chosen Randy LaJoy. Mm-hmm. Oh, Oh, so yes. Uh, father yeah. of current, NASCAR Cup Series driver, Corey LaJoy. And also the one of the pioneers of the modern containment seat. Uh, If you've heard of the company, the joy of seating spelt J O I E. That's him. That's Randy LaJoy. Um, He drove. Interesting. Yeah. He drove the number 34 Chevrolet for Mach 1 Motorsports, which would end up actually becoming front row motorsports so tie in to michael mcdowell there uh for seven attempts to qualify at the start of the 2005 season uh, he attempted to qualify for daytona fontana las vegas atlanta bristol martinsville and texas though he only made the race for fontana las vegas and martinsville uh his finishes were to put it bluntly abysmal uh Finishes of 42nd, 42nd, and 36th in his three starts in this car. Uh, so, yeah, he was, this is not, again, We I just talked about uh, Front Row not having good equipment then. Uh, they had even worse equipment, so it's not really surprising that he wasn't able to perform very well. Um, he did have a few more starts for them that season. In the 96 and the 98 car, he attempted to qualify again in that same year, or actually no, in 2004, the year before, at Atlanta, Phoenix, Darlington, and Homestead, only making the race at Phoenix and Darlington, finishing 42nd and 36th. So he's uh, had a rough go of it in that car, but uh, that I always I always keep him pretty quick, uh, but. 
that is Randy LaJoy. Okay, yeah, he is a uh, champion in the Xfinity Series back then, the Bush Series, 96-97. That's pretty... Um, that's pretty good. He's and he's he's he had a lot of race teams that he raced for. He raced all over the place. Yeah, Bob, like a couple ones here. Bob Johnson. Uh, here, here's another one here. Dick Brooks. Those are some. Raced for Kale Yarbrough Motorsports for three weeks in 1991. That's pretty cool. Hendrick, uh, in the number 50 in 1998. If we ever, oh damn! If we ever get the fifty, that could have been. <laughs> no, I, I don't think fifty's off the table for this season. Um, but uh, yeah, so let's yeah, good good one on that one. And I th- I think we did pick, I think we did pick Corey at some point. I think somebody picked Corey a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago. So we can round off that. Uh, that father son kind of deal there. He yeah, named what he was named one of NASCAR 75 greatest drivers this year when they did that. So I believe he's not in the Hall of Fame yet, but I'm sure definitely he will be in the Hall of Fame one day. More for more for his contributions to driver safety than right. his actual driving career. But his driving career wasn't anything to scoff at, really. Yeah, um, and that's that's uh, with his three top tens in Cup and and uh, one top ten in Truck. But he he did pretty good in Xfinity though. Fifteen wins, one hundred eighteen top tens, nine poles. And uh, I'll take it. His last win was in one but his first one was in ninety six. But still, he he did he clearly did all right to, for a few years there in the Bush Series there, racing for was that base he was racing for base most sports phoenix racing base <laughs> bassy yeah N- never heard of uh, never never heard of that team it was owned by bill Baumgartner. i could tell you a whole bunch about base motorsports really, but eh? uh, that's all yeah they they had cup series for well they did bush for a long time and they expanded into bush into the cup series mm-hmm. with chad little and tony Raines. Oh. and that was uh, i don't remember the year but tony Raines ran a blank white number 74 car and he actually did pretty good and then they always noted that he was at running his equipment and they just blew motors non-stop but yeah again that's not really this at all but but base has been around they were around for quite a quite a okay that's some good context though uh yeah those were some solid picks fellas i think today we uh i think we'll do wally proud there on those spotlights when he gets to when he gets listen i hope also some of our listeners out there really dug that one this week we really we really went into the deep end with, I think with this one for this week, uh, definitely, um, getting into detail there. Love, love getting into those ones. I feel like there's some passion there from us. It came from the hard boys. <laughs> let's, uh, let's well, continue. To be fair, 34 is easy. 35 is going to be, a, a, that's going to be an interesting one. To see okay. We well, we'll see. A, that is not a common number. We'll see you next week or in our next episode on the show on uh, next edition. We'll see what happens with that one um, for everyone uh, out there joining us here on the FM on 
CFMH 107.3, local FM of St. John, New Brunswick, and on CKMS 102.7, Radio Waterloo and Kitchener Waterloo, PM and app, and wherever you get your podcasts. We're just talking about some some of what we usually try to do, Driver Spotlight. That's one of our favorite skits, kick off the show. But now let's get into the news in the wide world of motorsports here. We got NASCAR F1, bit of IMSA, bit of IndyCar to talk about here. And uh, last week on the show, in episode 33, we were unable to get to some of these points here. And I think these are really good ones and, and some of that I don't want to miss. And I, I just want to kick it all off for, uh, first off when that last week, so about early fall, when NASCAR announced that iRacing had acquired the what is called the NASCAR Team Properties, which is an exclusive simulation-style console license from Motorsports Inc., which for the last few years when we saw them, what was it, NASCAR Inside Line and NASCAR Heat and all of them, there were some hits, there were some misses there over the years, and I think fans really didn't, they didn't really get, especially for some of us, like myself and Eggman, and, and I know Damon over here does game. I don't know if you do the NASCAR games or the NASCAR sims. Um, I enjoyed NASCAR heat to a degree. Uh, I can go into this. I don't, I, I race or, or race out of line uh, with that kind of stuff, but uh, the career mode was okay. I like the fact that, you know, they had the four different series and you could have two cars. Right. And, that, that stuff was good about like those games for sure. There was stuff. It wasn't, I want NASCAR heat 2004 where you had to build your own chassis and they, you had to, build your own right? parts of your shop oh, and man, that was hire classic. all like, hire, like there was the, and then have four teams like you could in nascar 2006 like that's what i want from a game and unfortunately i don't think we're ever going to get to something like that again yeah because now anyway. now i feel like we're stepping away from the arcade and going because i think people maybe want more of the simulation than the arcade um the the, the lines have been really blurred through well, with all the technology the way, the way i look at it is what better simulation than running the whole team that would be mm-hmm. that, that would be what i would argue in that in that circumstance what's what's a more of a simulation than having to pay the bills it's it yeah well with with what we do with, with iRacing i mean it really just ends with yeah there's some fiddling around that you can do with setups and with the settings and and all that stuff but really it ends you pick you roll up in the pit road and you hold escape and then that's where it ends be it'd be cool to be able to go behind the wall and i think it, in a couple other games like r factor or something like that you can go you can drive you can manually drive behind the wall either or in f1 they you know they have you in the in your um in, in the paddock there sitting paddock. There and, and you can roll out mm-hmm. and then so that would be cool to see but something uh more for it'd be cool like as Eggman and I play American Truck Simulator, I don't know if you play that, but I like a I like a simulator, you know. I like, but I like that arcadey feel where you can get out and walk around open world. It'd be cool to see if they can do that somehow. But but yeah, I remember back having the PSP game, the EA, the NASCAR game, and being able to the Ace Money Maker coming in and talking to you. Stuff like that was cool for sure, and I I would still enjoy a game like that now. Uh, especially now that Forza, the new Forza came out, and I just installed that and got that going, and it looks great. There's a bit of an arcade feel on the on the Forza, even though there's a new game mode on the new Forza that is basically like iRacing. So 
we are seeing them stepping out, and that's why we're we're going to see with the license transfer from Seven Hundred Four Games that was basically owned for the last decade by them. We're going to see potentially something new, and we saw that as iRacing, who you know it, they're definitely they're a separate company from NASCAR, but they hold the rights to the the simulation games on a, that are subscription based or i renting as we call it but the games are uh based on real nascar tracks drivers and teams and the the company has already had a partnership with nascar dating back to 2010 so and and nascar as well was with their history with gaming as we were saying here with the games back in the 2000s but even going back i remember playing the 1994's papyrus game uh the nascar <laughs> racing i remember playing that on flappy at my uncle's and i remember playing that on compact disc here so i play <laughs> i got to play that uh, uh, throughout the 90s and then getting nascar 2000 and then nascar uh, racing uh, 2003 season and that was owned by papyrus design group which um ended up ultimately the owners of that ultimately ended up designing iRacing. so really they've been kind of doing it since the beginning and NASCAR has, has uh, like that's been a thing for, for 30 years for my, my whole life. So for me, that's all I've ever known. And um, with EA, obviously we know that they're dipping into F1. They're definitely not doing the NASCAR thing. They, they were done with that uh, last decade, early last decade. Uh, but for sure that Motorsports games, I think they kind of drove that in the ground. And I think that this is good, too, for, you know, we're going to maybe... It's great that kids get a game to play, but I also think it'd be better if they had something like this uh, to to play as well going forward. And also the potential of other... I, I think this is... I think I read that iRacing will be doing additional kind of games, but it'll be more specific to the series. Because really, it's based off all the same game engine. It's based off all the same stuff, but it'll just be which will make more money that way. Um, but there'll be a Nimza. There'll be a. Uh, I think IndyCar's locked away. I think they're going to be with Motorsports Games or someone else. Um, but like, there's going to be specific series that we'll see um, released uh, as opposed to just an iRacing altogether. But for me, I I, I can't wait to. Um, if I do get a console, that that option will be there. But I obviously don't have that worry, as I just upgraded, so I don't I don't have to worry about that uh, anytime soon for me. But sure, rub it in my face a little more there. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the Borat skit. Well, I'm sidebar here. It's like the Borat skit. It's like uh, this is my neighbor. Uh, he uh, he buys step. I buy step. He buys step. I buy Clark Radio. He cannot afford. He cannot afford. <laughs> so, no, but yeah, but maybe when you get that's what that's what's awesome though, is because the consoles have the prices, and especially on Boxing Day or Black Friday, you're going to be seeing that so you might be able to get like a three ninety nine, two ninety nine deal on a next gen. I mean, that's a pretty <laughs> that that might be a thing, and um, especially with the old consoles or the old models are going out and the new models are coming in this season. I think so. We're gonna we're gonna see that uh, come up for possibilities for people out there who'll be able to play the new kinds of iRacing, but with a cheaper kind of console. So that's that's another positive about that as well. Um, let's uh, let's go into as uh, if we're talking about new stuff as well. The NASCAR just came out with their 2024 schedule, and this one's really good. 
there's a couple of uh, nice additions. I'm really big on Iowa being there. Uh, finally, they're they're going to be going there. Um, seventh, eighth, eighth mile, right, boys? Trioval yep. <laughs> opened in 2006 seven, and hosted the seven eighths of a mile. Seven eighths of a mile. Trioval opened in 2006 and hosted the Xfinity Series and NASCAR Truck Series from 2009 to 2019. NASCAR brought the facility. Uh, they bought the facility. Sorry, in 2013. And that's when the speculation, when we thought that the Cup Series would be coming to Iowa, I remember hearing that ten, yeah, ten years ago almost. Um, that, now, by the way, that track is designed by former NASCAR champion Rusty Wallace. So, uh, there's that just there's just something cool about that. I grew up as a Rusty. I was Rusty Wallace as we're getting, approaching Halloween season, folks. I was Rusty Wallace one year for Halloween. <laughs> you know, that's weird. So was I. <laughs> they were just doling out those suits. I bet I bet you, I don't remember if it just said Rusty on it, like in the EA games, right? It, or if, it would have. It would have said Rusty it on it. It said Miller. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're not going to let an eight-year-old kid walk around the street with Miller on his chest. They're not, they're not going to let that happen. They, they would if they could. Let, let's be real here. Okay, they would here. Where- live but i don't I think thought. it would be a good call from the i don't know if that was just a canadian car. thing or i was like we were supposed to do that we're on kids or whatever but so the whole thing with especially with the video games was the um esab rate or whoever does the esrb ratings. so right. any alcohol references you have to have oh. like a e e10 i think minimum probably a probably a t for teen rating and so that's Dang. obviously not good yeah. for your business you want to have e for everyone so mm. that's why they didn't have the alcohol uh, references though i think that actually and on the halloween costumes. The last couple <laughs> and diecast too right yeah uh, well uh, diecast uh, certain diecast like at walmart and stuff but I, you can easily get diecast from lionel or whatever that has the actual yeah. Which it's cool to have both. I'm not gonna lie. It's kind of I always I have a couple. I have a rusty like over there. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I do. <laughs> um, so yeah, going back to the um, with the uh, 2024 season here, and so next year's race weekend at Iowa will will, will include the NASCAR Phoenix Series, the ARCA as well. So that'll be a that'll be a great weekend that they're going to put on there, and putting Iowa on the Cup Series uh, calendar as well uh, was one of the last puzzles that helped finalize the twenty twenty four schedule. NASCAR had been working on going international, and I I can confirm that with the Cup Series hoping to host a race in Canada on the Cirque Gilles Villeneuve in Montreal, and those talks have held up the rest of the schedule from coming together and then we ended up seeing um in no Cirque Gilles Villeneuve but we also announcements had already been made as well that the exhibition cla- the exhibition clash race earlier on February right around after the Super Bowl that race will return before after or during the Super Bowl that race will return to the LA Coliseum in early February for a third year also, the traditional season opening Daytona 500, which I, I don't even think needs to be up for debate. That'll never change. I hope. I hope. I hope not. Now that will be held on February 18th in 2024, 
And as usual, the season will conclude in Phoenix in November, on November 3rd, actually. So, uh, exhibition, real quick here, uh, just a bit of a, uh, a point from both of you guys here. What do you think about them keeping the clash in L.A.? Uh, you can go for a segment. I think it'll be fine if they can figure out how to fix the short track package. And if they cannot, it's going to be mm-hmm. lackluster. I'll, I'll put it I'll put it kindly. It'll be lackluster. Mm-hmm. I am wholly uninterested in it, I'll be honest. Uh, I don't think that track is too small for cup cars. It's weird. I'm honestly more interested in the fact that they are bringing the NASCAR Mexico series. They will actually be like the really? race, like entertainment kind of thing. Yeah, they will be racing before the, the cup series there. And so that's a cool chance for, you know, just how like a few years ago, the Pinty series went to New Hampshire and raced, that, that, you know, in the, that was awesome, the U.S. So the, the NASCAR Mexico so gets to come up. to. <laughs> yes, I remember seeing the seeing some of the they highlights take of that. Off to but, the moon, uh, those things, man. <laughs> Jeez. But yeah, but yeah, so that honestly is more interesting to me than than the clash. Like, uh, it's honestly like back in the day, the clash was for the pole winner from the previous year, like, and that and maybe like your past champions or your past winners. Now, like this whole. And, it, and we don't go political here, but like this whole like we need to include everyone thing like mm-hmm. with the with the clash. It's just like eh, like it's not important anymore. And the Coliseum thing was was a great novel idea the first time, right? But just for the cup cars, for like sure, eh, yeah. No, but I so I do see is, it because I think we've seen that other track. I think we don't have that issue at other track. I think now now we're seeing it um, to to. Pr- for sure, it's a positive. We're seeing that people are feeling more comfortable to come out the racetrack and, and all this stuff. And we are seeing not only as the drivers, but as the fan base, that we don't need to go to L.A. to have to, unless that was maybe a potential, the one-off, the first one there, maybe that was could have been a trigger, especially after the pandemic, a bit of that too. There's a possibility that that could have helped, especially with them going to Chicago and other places. Of course, you're going to get... No crap, no way you're going to get different demographics. You're going to other cities, which is great. And that's that's why I love that um, we're seeing them. Tr- like They're going all over. They're going, they're going, all the, just imagine all the different flavors, literally, that, that you're getting in an NASCAR season. Especially when we find out when the two more dates that were filled when NASCAR and Speedway Motorsports announced last uh Last week that the All-Star Race will be on May 19th, once again held at North Wilkesboro Speedway. And then as well as, and, and I, I I love this, Indianapolis Motor Speedway announced that NASCAR Cup Series will return to the oval layout in 2024. Just in time to what will be the 30th anniversary since NASCAR's inaugural running at the track and the NASCAR Cup Series Brickyard 400 will run on Sunday, July 21st. What do you guys think about that? Love it. I was not a fan of the Indy Road Course. It's a cool layout for like Indy cars and stuff, but it, I, for some reason, it just it felt a little lacking to me for the Cup cars. And I'm I'm really happy mm-hmm. that they're going back to the to the to the big track for another Brickyard 400. Damon. 
Uh, I'm actually in the reverse boat. So I will preface this by saying we got to try the new cars on the oval. So we got to see how it goes. But right. the reason why we went to the old, off the oval to the road course in the first place was the previous cars were trash at that track. <laughs> and it was terrible yeah, racing. Yeah. And I actually, when, it, when you say the road course is not good for stock cars, it's good for Indy cars. I think it's the other way around. I'm not huge on the Indy car or the sports car races there. But I thought the Cup and the Bush races were actually quite entertaining. Uh, minus the cars being ripped up by the turtles in that one section, as cool as it was to watch, obviously. Was, you know, it's just like, was, eh. I thought that was hilarious when it happened, yeah. honestly. Yeah. yeah. It, it got a little old after they kept having yeah. to throw cautions because they kept pulling it off. But the big thing, and this can kind of go into other series that we were talking about later, is with the removal of this road course, they are getting rid of the second IndyCar race at the road course of Indy and now that is I think partly what is triggering right. them to go to Milwaukee in next year so I think mm-hmm. that's a whole thing so that's good because Indy doesn't really need to run at the road course as you know at the track three times though it's a good cost saving measure right. but I personally liked seeing the co- the stock cars on the road course but we got to try 100%. The new chance. We got we got to try it at least once and, and, and see what happens. And so to wrap up that. here and a couple other points, uh, big points as well for the 2024 season, especially when we're talking about the road courses. And as I mentioned that uh, the Chicago one is actually, they're still negotiating a deal with the city of Chicago. So that's still a thing. And as well as with seeing Watkins Glen being a part of the NASCAR playoffs. What do you guys think yeah. of that? Uh, I see what they're doing, adding more track diversity in the playoffs. Uh, They're trying to make it more so like anybody can win the championship, and I'm not 100% sure how I feel about it, honestly. Mm -hmm. Because if you got a guy that has been dominating all year, but in the right set of circumstances, he has a bad few weeks and he's not in the running for the championship anymore. But then one guy that's been consistently meh, but then has a couple of really good weeks in the playoffs and he's racing for a championship now. I don't, I don't, I'm not, I don't know how I feel about it. Right. Right. Well, and also the Darlington uh, being the, the, the last race of the regular season. Um, but Hey, you know what? That's, I'm really excited to, uh, to see that next season and as uh, could be good schedule. Do wish they did kind of alternate that last race, but, uh, we'll, we'll hope for that one for another day. And also as we wrap up our NASCAR talk here, just, um, wondering what's going to happen here as we go into Las Vegas last couple weeks, NASCAR Pinty series is, I remember a couple weeks ago we were just coming off of that uh, Blaney Harvick. Uh, I wonder if Harvick will get tried again and again at this Vegas this weekend. Hope I get to see uh, a final win from Harvick. Also, can Martin Trex Jr. can he get back into his mojo that he had in the regular season? Wondering if Byron. Wondering if he's going to sweep Las Vegas for the the year uh, for this year and be able to put himself uh, into his first championship for appearance and also. Um, we're we're always looking at those track house cars. Just keep an eye out for them. So, uh, yeah, that I, I would. Um, 
other than that, uh, and then Dinger at uh, Charlotte Roval, winning that race pretty good. Uh, we was a bit of a cat and mouse between William Byron and, and Dinger, but Dinger getting that race. And we're wondering, was kind of mentioned when he was in the post-race interviews, kind of talking about, you know, what, what might happen next season where he's at. And, and you you were uh, you were able to kind of figure that one out, Damon. Oh, yeah. he. So they had mentioned in the broadcast and afterwards that – Matt Rice and her, yeah, and colleague hit. They know what's going on with the 16th year. They already know. They just not announced. Multiple sources have said that there's a good chance that AJ will go back to the Xfinity Series next year. But AJ has come on, on record saying that he will be in the Cup Series next year. So if we want to put, I don't want to say two and two, but like the he, he I don't see Almondinger driving for anyone other than colleague. So right. the most likely not. scenario is is he drives a third car at the road courses and the super speedways. Cause we look at their season where has so, Dinger done anything other than, you know, he hasn't really done right. much outside of those outside like eight or nine tracks. So that would make the most sense, yeah. but I, we would I take his car. Mm, who knows? We'll, we'll have to see. Um, hey, you know what? Let's go. We were able to get to all that. Let's, uh, you guys got the floor for uh, the rest of this one. What, what about, uh, let's talk about F1 here at Qatar. So, a lot of interesting things about F1 going back to Qatar. Um, first of all, they decided to go with a weird weekend format this, this time around. Uh, t- for starters, teams only had one practice session, which is strange for formula one because they usually have three two or three a weekend depending on if it's a sprint weekend or not but they only had one uh, because they went straight into qualifying uh, in which of course guess who max verstappen took the provisional pole in qualifying (laughs) Um, (gasps) really i I know dramatic gasp but uh oh yeah yeah i know if you uh, ain't dutch you ain't much let's go uh uh-huh I got uh, my so orange hanging in my in my house. Yeah. After qualifying, and <laughs> correct me if you if you know that I'm wrong here, but I think this is the first time they've ever used a shootout qualifying session for the sprint race, like ever, which I thought was really weird. So after qualifying, they went into the sprint shootout, which is like a secondary shorter qualifying session that determines the starting order for the sprint race, but not the regular race i don't know it's weird (laughs) oscar piastri scored the fastest lap in that with lando norris p2 uh further solidifying that mercedes may uh, not mercedes good lord mclaren may end up being an actual problem next season for red bull moving forward with the weekend into the sprint race with the most notable thing that happened in the sprint race uh, with Sergio Perez's retirement from the sprint, Max Verstappen did clinch his third straight World Drivers Championship uh, as his teammate Perez was the only one that could have mathematically caught him and scoring no points in the sprint race meant that he could no longer be caught. So again, congratulations, Max Verstappen. You won the Drivers Championship. We all knew you were going to. Hell yeah. <laughs> a real quick uh, add-on. So after... So they did their celebration that they won the championship and they sprayed the Red Bull, whatever. So that they made sure not to do it by their 
garage area. This was an interesting little article, I believe, that was motorsports.com. I read about this, yeah. Yeah, so they actually held their celebrations like 100 meters down from their garage stall. And the reason why is there's a rule in the FIA rule book that basically says that you can't try to do anything to make your pit stall stickier to get better grip. And they are so in tune with the rules that they were concerned that them spraying Red Bull all over their garage area would constitute as them trying to make their pit box stickier to get better grip to leave their pit stall so that's that's the level of honestly it's a legitimate thought it will give you wings that that (laughs) amount of sugar mixed with the heat in qatar could very well have made it really Hmm. sticky down there wow (laughs) so i yeah i remember i remember reading about that too yeah it was like they don't want to do it in the pit stall because then the fia could investigate them for cheating and they don't want to do that they don't want to play that game so i thought that was really funny other things that happened in the sprint race is rookie in his 17th Grand Prix, Oscar Piastri claimed his first Formula One victory of any sort with his win in the sprint race. There was several safety cars for cars stuck in the gravel, and Oscar managed to hold off the world champion himself to hang on to that, which I think is really cool for Oscar and is a really good sign for McLaren as uh, things move forward. So onto the race. Like I said, I don't know how they got the starting grid for this race because there was five cars in front of Oscar Piastri at the start of the race. So I'm not sure if it was just based on qualifying or what's going on there. I still don't have a handle on this format because, I, like I said, I don't think they've ever used it before. But I think did they take grid penalties? I thought I thought there was grid penalties. They, like they had lapsed the they had laps deleted, I believe, is what it was in the in one of the qualifying sessions. Yeah, both, so, both him and Lando. It, yeah, it was something like that. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't. I don't have all of the answers, believe it or not. Uh, but <laughs> there is two words that summed up the entire weekend, really, and those two words are track limits. So all throughout qualifying, all throughout the sprint race, the sprint shootout, the race, there was track limits violations because Qatar is one of those tracks that has like a zero tolerance policy on it, where if all four tires are over the white line, you can't do that. Uh, Some were obvious, some were pretty close. Uh, I know in the sprint shootout, Max had his fastest lap uh, pulled because of uh, track limits. So that that played a really big factor in the race. Once the race started, turn one, lap one, George Russell and Lewis Hamilton came together and both went off in turn one. Shades of Hamilton and Rosberg in 2016, if you've been a fan that long. It did end up taking Hamilton out of the race. If you watch it, it was entirely Lewis Hamilton's fault. I don't know what he was doing. He kind of just chopped... He, he chopped Russell, and it just sent them both off into the gravel. Fortunately, though, Russell was able to recover and carry on. Oscar was in the lead for all of about two seconds before Verstappen took the lead, never to relinquish it again throughout the rest of the race, leading all 57 laps of the Qatar Grand Prix. At, as uh, Crofty put it on the broadcast, 57 victory laps 
for his third World Drivers Championship. <laughs> uh, other notable finishers of the weekend, of course, Oscar Piastri, P2, Lando, P3. That is, like I said before, another excellent indicator that McLaren is actually figuring this out and may very well be a problem moving forward for Red Bull. P Russell, uh, George Russell ended up finishing P4, which is a good rebound for him from that lap one incident. Alonzo P6 still going strong in a Aston Martin team that didn't really appear to keep up with the upgrades throughout the season. Uh, Ocon P7, uh, Gasly ended up in 12th after I believe there was a penalty. Yeah, he went off trying to pass Lance Stroll and there was a penalty that it occurred there. And then the shock of the weekend, both Alfa Romeos finishing in the points Botas P8 and Joe Guan Yu finishing P9. Uh, they have had some major struggles all year, and it was really nice to see them get some points finally. I was mm-hmm. sad about Lance. and Yeah, so oh, well. <laughs> Lance has continued to struggle. Uh, he has had a not stellar year, both on the track and off the track. Uh, after, I don't remember one, which, which session it was, uh, qualifying, I believe, uh, he was very upset, threw his steering wheel in disgust in the garage, which I don't know if you know this, those steering wheels are worth like $150,000. So you probably don't want to be throwing, probably don't want to be throwing those. (laughs) No. Um, (laughs) And then he, his trainer, his personal trainer was telling him to go to the mandatory FIA weigh-in after practice. And he completely ignored him to the point where his trainer had to step in his way in the hallway back to the motorhome and Lance Stroll full on shoved him out of the way, okay. which is he never did weigh in, which is a clear breach of FIA policy. Right. And he is under investigation for that. It's not just that there's the literature says uh, several infractions. I don't know what they all are. Uh, that was the most recent one. Uh, and there is actually talks of his father, Lawrence Stroll, finding another avenue for him so they can put <laughs> somebody else. This actually segues a perfectly. Joke in Canada, by the way, <laughs> I, I'm, sure, I'm, sure, I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. There is actually, and this may run over into next episode, but going into towards IMSA, there is actually talks of uh, Aston Martin uh, going into the IMSA and the world endurance championship realm with a team and possibly uh, their, their press agent has said that any Aston Martin driver has the opportunity to try out for that seat. And I would not be shocked if that's where Lance Stroll ends up so that the formula one team can be uh, successful because, you know, daddy's paying the bills and that's really the only reason he's still in the seat. And that's not a secret, right? Anyway, so moving forward, the Formula One circus will stay in the Western Hemisphere uh, for the next four Grand Prix, uh, beginning with the U.S. Grand Prix as the next one on the schedule on the 20th. So that is this, not tomorrow, not this weekend, obviously, next weekend. Mm -hmm. Uh, They they then go to Mexico and Brazil and come back to the U.S. for their inaugural race at the Las Vegas Grand Prix. Before they, before the season finale back in Abu Dhabi. So that is the Formula One schedule moving forward. Okay. 
Yeah, and the rest of the season, I gotta, I gotta try to get back into the uh, focusing on some of those other battles in the standings as well. Yeah, you know, there's gonna. I don't know what they all are right now. Uh, there is uh, the battle for fourth in the constructors championship is always a big one. Uh, I know Red Bull already has that that <laughs> championship lo- locked up. The, uh, okay, so fourth is actually more important than you think it is because uh, that's where like the mid pack starts. So okay. if if you look at it in terms of prize money, the difference between fourth and fifth is significant, and also there is um, distribution of wind tunnel time. Right. Uh, also, right all, yeah. That is also determined by your yeah. constructor standings. So that is all okay. stuff that will be developing over the last few weeks. Uh, as it looks right now, the constructor standings are Red Bull has clinched the championship in first, but second, Mercedes and Ferrari are only about 30 points apart in for second and third. And then Aston Martin is only 11 points ahead of McLaren for fourth. Okay. So that that is all stuff to watch. And if McLaren keeps performing like they have been, I have no doubt they will be in fourth, if not third, mm-hmm. uh, by the end of the season. Hey, you know what? That's good. Well, we got uh, we had a jam-packed episode so much today. We're going to have more next week. Uh, we were talking off-air a bit about uh, some IMSA and IndyCar stuff that we're going to get to in episode 35. Specifically, we're going to talk about... How uh, Meyer Shank not coming back for the 2024 season as well. So lots of other things in the wide world of motorsports that's up to come. We'll have that all covered for you on episode 35 on CFMH 107.3 Local FM in St. John, New Brunswick. CKMS 102.7 Radio Waterloo, Kitchener, Waterloo, Ontario. And on your smart device on the Performance Motorsports Network app and wherever you get your podcasts on demand. On social media, at the WWMS, drop us a line. Love to hear out from you. Well, it just about wraps it up for this edition. I am James Jordan. I am the Eggman. And this is Damon Sawyer. We'll see you all around the bend. Bye-bye. Good night. <laughs>